right now, you know, I can leverage trade gold 50x, actually maybe even up to 100x on some decentralized exchanges. Uh, and again, I have it in my hard wallet. So it's my money. You know, if you decide to uh, trade and the government doesn't like what you're doing and they go to the institution that's holding your investment accounts, they can shut you down just like that. That cannot occur with DeFi. And, and we're able, like I said, we're able to do that with, you know, trading Forex, um, some commodities, and it's just growing more and more. Is it possible for a client or somebody, an investor, whatever, to own 100% of the tokens? And if they do, do they retain the asset at that point? Or does some, do, do you still retain the asset? So, okay. So when you buy the token, you're buying the economic rights. You don't actually okay. own the asset. And so okay. that that's something that you got to make clear because like, let's say for instance, you don't have what's called governance with these tokens. You could. Um, but in our particular project, we, we didn't because we wanted to make sure that we, we have control of the guidance for now on these particular properties uh, in terms of selling it and all that stuff. Um, but but you, you could have um, governance where um, people could say, hey, look, we, we all vote to sell this property, liquidate it, and then you know, give us the actual cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the case here. They, but they can, at any given point in time, if they want to, put it up on the marketplace. And as long as they're sellers, or I'm sorry, buyers, they'll be able to buy. Or sell. Very cool. Very cool. I know uh, we have yeah. Natasha's going into some tax questions, which um, I don't. I don't think we want to go down too much of the road of because obviously depends on where you live and what country you're in and what state you're in. All that stuff varies. Um, but I don't believe that you could do like a 1031 exchange. Where like if you sell another property, then you start putting into the crypto to buy other properties. I, I don't know how the uh, I don't know how the government would kind of view that because you don't like you said they don't actually own the deed of that product of that property, correct? Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't think that uh, you can do a ten thirty one exchange, and and I think that there's a minimum. Because I've done a lot of buying and selling of real estate. I think that there is a minimum. Uh, that you do have to have in order to roll into a 1031 exchange. Um, but I haven't gone that far yet. <laughs> we just tokenized our first four and it was offshore. So um, you're probably going to have much different tax uh, implications from, you know, Panama than you are buying uh, land or, or real estate domestically in the United States, which we plan on doing. But uh, we just see a lot of lot more opportunity outside the United States right now, based off of a lot of the research that we did. Yeah, That's and, cool. And I, I think the government is about ten years behind everything in general. So <laughs> as as something like that picks up, as something becomes more popular, you, you, regulations, rules, all that stuff could probably yeah. start, and most likely will change at some point. Uh, speaking of the uh, the government, so I know the the Fed has the federal backed coin that they're doing. Um, how does that compete with anything in the crypto space? And um, is that, would that be considered more safe in your, in your view than having some of these other coins? Yeah. So I don't know. Let me ask you, Dan, do you trust the government these days? You know, like this is going to get, this is publicly uh, published. So yes, I do. I I absolutely. (laughs) 1000. Why wouldn't I? It doesn't make sense. Um, Look, Here's the thing: they they put lipstick on a pig, right? Because the, the all this old rules are still there. The government, it, these are called central 
uh, backed digital currencies, right, or CBDCs. And so the government essentially is is just finding ways to process transactions faster, which, you know, if you take a look at it, like, let's say, for instance, your JP Morgan Chase transactions, while they don't clear instantly, um, you as the end user, you really don't know, right? You're, we're, we're, you're all using digital currencies right now, uh, you know, every time you swipe your card or buy something online. Um, and so for them to come out with this thing going like, oh, look, we got our own cryptocurrency. Um, a lot of people need to understand that there, there's a lot of danger behind a CBDC. And that's why a lot of these, you know, new um, candidates are coming out super against it because, you know, crypto is programmable money. And so let's say, for instance, you know, uh, then uh, you don't agree with, uh, you know, Donald Trump or Joe Biden. It doesn't matter. Right. And uh, just like they did last year with the trucker rally. Um, and they go, oh, you don't agree with us or you're protesting for too long. We're going to cut your your bank account off or we're going to start siphoning money out of your wallet. They'll be able to do that with digital currencies as opposed to like, let's say, Bitcoin or Ethereum. You can't do that. They're fully decentralized. And unless they have access to your keys, the government ain't touching your money. And that's the thing that I really like about it, because, you know, the, we're grownups. Why do we need, you know, Big Brother surveilling us or, or um, you know, having so much control that any given point in time, they can, you know, take money out of your out of your wallet. Um, I, I'm not, definitely not a proponent for that. And I definitely see um, the securities issues from from the consumer standpoint um, as a citizen where the government could really take advantage of that and and exploit it. Um, so I'm there. There are definitely other options, you know, PayPal just launched, um, a new stable coin. I think it was like two weeks ago. I just, I did a webinar on it, um, on YouTube the other day. And, um, and I think that is a better proposal than having the government directly intervene because anytime, in my opinion, the government intervenes, like you said, you were being generous, I think by saying 10 years uh, behind, <laughs> um, but the, the government just really mucks everything up. And, um, and I think that the private sector, us, the citizens, the entrepreneurs are going to do a much better job at creating efficient markets than the, than the government is. That was a little long winded answer, but. <laughs> no, I, I, I think you're spot on. Yep. Yeah. Are there any other upcoming markets that uh, I just want to kind of step back a bit to the real estate example, are there any other markets that are going to be tokenized kind of like that and will be working that way that people can dip their toes into? Yeah. So there's something called like, uh, you, you'll hear this more, more and more pop up RWAs or real world assets. And so a lot of these, and especially after, you know, the fall of Silicon Valley bank, which was holding about $3 billion of USDC's reserves um, and USDC, again, is a stable coin. Um, and we rely heavily on stable coins. We need to make sure those that peg stays one to one um, and that they're they're never able to to have a bank run. But what's happening now is a lot of these um, a lot of these stable coin providers, um, especially the more decentralized ones, are are starting to um, create accounts directly with the Fed. Um, and they're, they're establishing, you know, their own T-bills short term so that in case there is a, a bank run, um, that they will be lit enough 
to pay for it. Unlike, again, a lot of these 700 and some regional banks that had these issues. Um, but there's there's a lot of tech that's uh, that's coming out that is definitely um, including real world assets and other use cases. Gold right now, you know, I can leverage trade gold 50x, actually maybe even up to 100x on some decentralized exchanges. Uh, and again, I have it in my hard wallet, so it's my money. You know, if you decide to uh, trade and the government doesn't like what you're doing and they go to the institution that's holding your investment accounts, they can shut you down just like that. That cannot occur with DeFi. And, and we're able, like I said, we're able to do that with, you know, trading Forex, um, some commodities, and it's just growing more and more. Um, and so a lot of these digital assets, or a lot of these traditional assets are now coming out of the blockchain and we're going to be trading them 24 seven. Um, and so there's a lot of really incredible stuff coming up with DeFi that I think people are just like, oh, you know, the price of Bitcoin or Pepe or Sheeb, you know, these meme coins that are just mindless, um, that people are putting too much focus on there and not in ignoring where the real technology is. Because when you take a look at like what BlackRock's doing, what JP Morgan Chase, they're already starting to build their own decentralized finance networks. And they're building it on public blockchains. And so it's going to be really exciting to see what happens like in the coming three, four years. So you talked about your hard wallet. And I want you to give a little explanation of what the difference is, of what what a what a hard wallet is, just for people that don't know what it is. I'm Today's day and age, that might be small. But I'm kind of curious how you actually take the cryptocurrency that you have on your hard wallet and actually use it for speculative trading, for instance, without accumulating a whole bunch of transfer fees? Essentially, um, I, you're able to do that with less fees, right? So less transfer fees, um, especially when you go into the layer two. So what's like a layer two? So you have layer one, which is Ethereum, Bitcoin, uh, Polkadot. These are all Solana. These are all layer one blockchains. Okay, then we have layer two blockchains that sit on top of um, of like, let's say the Ethereum network, which is the most popular one. And so you have layer two networks like, let's say, Optimism or Arbitrum, which are the most popular ones right now being and Matic being built on on the Ethereum network. And instead of going through the Ethereum network, because it is very costly to be on the Ethereum, although there is the most amount of volume there. Um, you can go to these secondary blockchains that are built on top where the fees are less than one cent per transaction. And so, uh, you know, that's, the, and that's where I play. And that's where I teach a lot of my students because, you know, why pay these exorbitant amounts unless you're dealing with like six figures per transaction. In some cases, it's just not worth, uh, I should say mid five figures. It's just not worth uh, transacting on the Ethereum network un unless there's like, no offering on these other layer two solutions, but the majority of the action is happening on the layer two. And I mean, the transactions are absolutely nominal and you're going to pay way less there than you would in, you know, a traditional brokerage or uh, just transferring money or even a traditional um, centralized exchange um, such as like the NASDAQ New York stock exchange and all that stuff by having very low fees and, and being able to transact. So it's, there's a lot of really cool stuff that's up and coming on layer twos. And that's a narrative that I'm really in, heavily invested in uh, right now.
No, that's super cool. Can you talk a little bit more about adding liquidity? Because you mentioned that earlier in the, the very beginning and when we started talking about making a lot of income from actually providing liquidity. Yeah, so the so when you provide liquidity, I, I like to use my, my NASDAQ uh, Apple example. So let's say, for instance, you've got liquidity on the NASDAQ, right? And if you want to go buy, you have to go through your broker, but that broker goes to the NASDAQ to buy those, um, those stocks. And you need two things in order for a, for a, a market to be liquid. You need you know, the asset and you need cash, right? And so what happens is these, um, these exchanges or institutions, because a lot of the money is, is lent and a lot of the stock is lent from you know, Goldman Sachs or BlackRock or these huge entities, JP Morgan Chase, they lend these assets and every single time a trade takes place, there's a fee that's taken out. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, but hold on, I don't, I don't pay fees on Robinhood or I don't pay, I pay very little fees on TD Ameritrade. Yeah, that might be true, but if you're not paying them, somebody else is. And, you know, the, like the old saying says, if, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product, right? And so a lot of these hedge funds are basically taking that data and going, hey, we're going to pay for your fees, but they're either trading with or against you. And that's another thing that, you know, I'm, I'm vehemently against. Um, but essentially, make no mistake about it, somebody is paying for those fees and those exchanges are making billions of dollars per year based on the amount of transactions that flow through there, right? But, you know, the NASDAQ isn't going to call, uh, you know, Tracy up and go, hey, Tracy, you want to give me some of your Apple stock and some cash and make a, a transaction fee off every single sale? Uh, that said no exchange ever, right? Well, now we've got these decentralized exchanges that are governed by, again, smart contracts where instead of uh, putting up, let's say, Apple and cash, I'm putting up Bitcoin and USDC, or I'm putting up Ethereum and Bitcoin. And anytime there is an exchange between those two, peer-to-peer -peer now, uh, because anybody can do this, as long as they have the right knowledge, um, what, what ends up happening is I end up making those fees. And that's how I made... You know, I, I mean, I really tore it up. I, I dollar cost averaged in, you know, about, oh, I would say $160,000 over six months, six to seven months uh, back in 2020. Um, and I turned that into $2 million. And it wasn't because I was super smart in trading. I was just being the institution or the bank by providing the liquidity. So, and every time a trade was made, I made that money. And then what happened was I was making more in Ethereum, more in Bitcoin. And when the price rose, that's where it was just like, oh my gosh, you know, there was one month I made like $500,000 because I had accumulated so much and the bull market was just in full swing. And so this is something that we still teach and, and we have, you know, a lot of tools to show people exactly how to do this, because in my opinion, it's still one of the most valuable ones and there's no no mistake as to why the NASDAQ is so huge and there's not a whole bunch of exchanges popping up that allowed to do this because it's very profitable. And now we're able to do it. Is this different than staking? 100% very different okay. than staking. Okay. Yeah. So staking is, is a much thing, a much different thing. And right now, you know, we've got something called LSDs and it's not the drug uh, LSD-Fi. 
um, which is uh, liquid staking derivatives. But when you when you stake, like the this narrative became very very popular with Ethereum last year when they went from proof of work, meaning you had to have like a machine processing the transactions. Um, it went from that to being verified by stakers. So as long as you had enough Ethereum staked and locked up, um, you were going to receive part of the fees that were being um, that were being taken out for every transaction that went on on the Ethereum network. And so a lot of people now are are staking um, their Ethereum, and you know they're earning anywhere between like three to five percent in a relatively safe manner. Now. In my opinion, um, there's when you talk about staking, there's really some very, very lucrative ways to, to hyper compound and, and do different flywheels um, to where you can almost triple that amount of money um, using some very creative, safe DeFi protocols um, by doing borrowing and lending and, and all sorts of really cool things. Uh, to where you take again that three to five percent and you turn it into like eight to fifteen percent uh, per year annually um, by contributing your Ethereum to the network. But there's all sorts of other um, staking blockchains, just like you know Matic, Solana is another one, um, Cardano is another one, and so it's a very popular thing because it's not so energy intensive like Bitcoin is. We had a win in the chat a little bit ago. I know he's he's being nice, so he's he's, he's not asking for himself because he already knows everything about crypto. But he's saying for other people besides himself that might find this lingo a little complicated and might not really understand it. Um, where would you suggest that somebody would go to to learn a little bit more about um, this conversation? Yeah, I mean we we teach it very very in depth, and we start off. You know, I'm right now I'm I'm trying to give as much info uh, without you know, going too technical, but it's, it's hard sometimes, but we have a, you know, definitely a, a six week course where we start off from the very, very basic. Um, what is a cryptocurrency? You know, it's a transfer of value. What, how do we stay away from scams and fraud? Um, how do you protect your, your hard wallet? How do you store your wallets correctly? So you don't get ripped off. And we've got students, you know, all the way from 21 year olds to, 75 year old retirees that we take on and all of them have, you know, different skill sets and different levels. Um, but definitely like that, or you can do it the way I did it. You go to YouTube university and, you know, <laughs> uh, it's like, but I equate that to like being dropped in the middle of the ocean and somebody going, okay, learn how to swim now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. there we're, we're definitely not the only guys on the block, but there are a few of us right now because, you know, DeFi is still relatively small. I think there's only, you know, maybe two or $300 billion in, in DeFi currently. Um, but as that grows, you know, I'm sure the competition will get a little more rigorous, but I would definitely find somebody who understands this uh, to teach you because, you know, going through YouTube and, you know, I went through YouTube when it, when DeFi was just starting in the summer of 2020. So it was relatively easy to find like very specific information. Now it would be like just drinking water from a fire hose in my opinion. Um, so yeah. <laughs> the information's out there. It's just a matter of finding it, putting it all together, putting it in the correct order and making probably a lot of mistakes along the way. So it's, it's yep. exactly YouTube, YouTube could be rough sometimes. 
And we'll also put all of uh, Given's uh, contact information and details. They'll be in the description of the video. So you can definitely check that out when you have a chance. So now, um, Given, is there any other, I guess, tips you would suggest for any individual that is looking to dip their toes into the DeFi space? Yeah, I mean, the, the most important thing, and, and this goes for TradFi too, because there's a lot of, man, I'm telling you, there's a lot of fraud. Like I just had one student um, they, that reached out to me and, you know, he found out some of our team members' names and, and this fraudster started hitting him up and, and he wired them $32,500. And so wow. I would say this, yeah, I would say if you're getting into anything financial, um, you want to make sure that, you know, your security is tip top because especially if you're, you're going to become your own bank, which is what we kind of teach, right? Um, you need to make sure that you've got, you know, bank-like security and a lot of things like SIM swapping. I'm sure you guys have heard of it uh, where they, you know, swap out the SIM and they start using your, your phone um, and they start getting into your institutions and start wiring money out. Some people don't even know that, it, that all of this is happening. And before they know it, their money in their bank accounts are being wiped out. Their money in their institution accounts are being wiped out. And so it's really important, in my opinion, that you do have um, security, number one. And then also, like, really learn about the scams because there are so many scams nowadays. And, you know, from... And, and even in TradFi, again, like so many Forex scams and, and they use crypto. Um, so like educate yourself first in regards to that, because that's a lot of people lose a lot of money up front. Um, and then they eventually make their way to, to us. And then we're like, yeah, shoot, we wish we, wish we would have been here because we would have shown you what not to do. But um in my opinion, that's where you start. And that's why, you know, lesson one for us starts at that. Perfect. Yeah. Be, be yeah. careful. Anything you do. I, I figured out the, the safest way though. If you just don't have any money, they can't take anything. So dude, I lived, I lived in the jungle last year, Dan, in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica. And I'm not even kidding you, man. We had like maybe three neighbors and two of them were monkeys. All right. And so <laughs> They're, they they weren't going to find us there, I don't think. They weren't going to find <laughs> Yeah, Wynn says he's going back to gold shillings. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you just got to make sure that you're keeping up with security. And, and that, that to me is so, so important nowadays uh, for everything. I mean, if you're in DeFi, crypto, or TradFi, just make sure your, your security is tipped because that's where, a lot of stuff is happening nowadays and it just blows my mind how much, how sophisticated these bad actors keep getting. So. Yeah. I, I, uh, I've told this story before, but my last experience in cryptocurrency ended in a massive loss. And that was with, uh, the whole, um, uh, what do they call it? Quadriga, um, thing that happened in Canada. So I always practice safe practices with my, cryptocurrency i literally transferred for bitcoin over to um quadriga and the, the very next day they went bankrupt and the website was closed i was trying to get some fiat currency off of there and that was the only exchange that i could use in canada to convert my bitcoin to 
cryptocurrency oh, wow. and I lost every last crypto piece that I had in there. It was gone. So, wow. yeah. And that was literal. I mean, that's just luck, right? I didn't have it on there for, I mean, I used it two years earlier to, to bring fiat into the market. And then I was trying to use it to get the Bitcoin off of the market. Um, but yeah, that's just, just the way, way it goes. Right. So, yeah, well, yeah. And, and remember this, Tracy, remember that's still a traditional finance in my opinion, right? Because you're, you're sending it to a centralized authority. Um, but uh, I, and, yeah, go ahead. Is it centralized? Cause I, I don't, I mean, it was not government, nobody, it was a guy, yeah. a guy that had the, like, yeah. I don't know, but I understand what you mean. Cause it's not, I guess yeah. not on the blockchain. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you, you send your crypto or money to a guy or, mm -hmm. or an entity, you yeah. now go to the centralized, in my opinion, tra traditional finance. And so, you know, again, another thing that we teach is how to get that money off safely and securely uh, to where, you know, you can use it. And I've got, you know, I've got a visa card now where I can spend my crypto. Uh, in fact, I have three um, and I have different banking relationships with banks to where I send the money direct, the crypto directly to that bank. Um, mm. And I'm able to start spending it within minutes. And so there's all sorts of really cool new ways that, uh, you know, as opposed to like the days of Quadriga or, you know, back when I first started, it was only Coinbase that you could wire the money and it would take three days. And I mean, if you were in a jam, you were in some serious, you know, stuff. So um, there's, there's a lot of really cool things that are coming up, uh, with Visa and MasterCard, where you're going to be able to actually um, spend directly on your own crypto card, uh, no third party merchant. Uh, so there's, th this stuff is coming, whether they like it or not. And I think yep. that, uh, there's, it's going to be a force to reckon with. So. Super cool. Well, Gavin, yep. uh, it has been wonderful having you on the show. We are out of time, unfortunately. These these hours just aren't long enough for us, but I know. yeah, so mm -hmm. I super appreciate you being here. Yep. Yeah, likewise. Both, both you and Dan. Thank you, Tracy. I appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Appreciate having you on, ladies and gentlemen. Type a quick one in that chat for Given And for everybody watching this uh, Pivot Podcast, we appreciate you guys joining us each and every week. If you guys have not seen the other uh, videos, just click Click the one up there. They'll take you to the link. You guys can watch all the past seasons, past episodes. You guys are incredible, and we'll catch you guys next episode. Later, guys.